Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Site School Podcast. I am your host, Valerie Stimmick-Bailey, and I am so excited because y'all loved Amanda's interview about affiliates, and I wanted to be at that same level. So I am very, very excited about today's interview guest because I saw her speak at TravelCon back in 2022. Unfortunately, TravelCon is no more, but this talk is perfect even if you are not in travel. I am very excited to have Daylene Heck join me and talk about different types of monetization based on different traffic sources and then also your influenceability, how much you want to be an influencer. So we're going to be talking about that today. It is very exciting. And thanks so much for joining me, Daylene. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I feel the pressure now. Amanda has pretty big shoes to fill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, my interviews have always been the most popular, but I have such a high standard for the quality of, you know, how much value I want to provide people in the interviews that I'm always seeking people who have, you know, expertise and experience. And um, I will go all Google here and say that EEAT stuff we care about in SEO. I have that same standard for my interview guests. So when I keep thinking about this grid that we're going to talk about today, which it literally sits in my head when I'm making decisions for my business. I knew that we just had to have you come on and talk about it. So before we jump into your introduction and your backstory, I did want to share that there is a blog post as a companion to this episode, and it is a very important episode to look at while you're listening. So if you are listening and you have the ability to pull this up on your phone, head to the show notes, you will find the link to the written version of this episode, which has a grid in it that we're going to be talking about. And okay, that's it. No more spoilers until we dive in. So Let's jump back to you, Daylene. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, your blogging journey, and what you're up to now. Uh, sure. So uh, I'm Daylene Heck, and along with my husband, Pete Heck, we started Hectic Travels, which was a general worldwide travel blog that dates back to, oh, 2011, I guess, which is, you know, a literal decade ago now. Uh, we started it as a way to just keep track of our travels. We had sold everything to travel the world, you know, that old story by now, and just had it so that my family and friends could follow along as we traveled. And it really grew from there and sustained us for a long time while we were on the road. Uh, we've pivoted a lot since then. Well, Hector Travel still exists and we're and actually redesigning it right now. Uh, but we've started several other blogs. We now run a digital media marketing company and have all kinds of stuff in the works. And some of the blogs that we started, because we went general travel to start with, we've gone much more niche since then. Um, two of them include Road Trip Alberta and Road Trip Manitoba, which are very niche and focused on those provinces exclusively. Um, another one that's just totally about travel trivia that's just been chugging along. And uh, yeah, lots of stuff in the works these days, which is what we all do as entrepreneurs, right? Got to get those income streams going from all angles. Oh, yeah, you're telling me. I feel like we were talking before we started recording about pandemic souvenirs and mine are all my websites that I started. <laughs> and maybe you feel a little bit the same where it was like, yes. well, uh, general global travel is not a thing anymore. So what can we work on that uses our skills and we can build a business around? And I'm almost as old, quote unquote, in the blogging world as you are as, as a travel blogger. I started mine in 2013. So when we all started, it was like not about making money. In fact, there wasn't really money to be made. And there certainly weren't the number of revenue streams that are available now. And <laughs> influencing was not a thing. I mean, social media was us with our friends. It was not this thing where you could build this platform and have an audience and have monetization on a totally different channel than your website, even if you were making money on your website. I, if I remember correctly, early days for a lot of travel bloggers anyway, you had your social media, but it was just 
really about supplementing and supporting your blog. It was not about it being its own income stream in any capacity. Yeah, it's that's all it was. When we first started, Instagram didn't even exist yet. We <laughs> didn't have a smartphone when we left home. So Aww. man, makes us feel super old, but yeah. We got to stay agile. That's how we stay young <laughs> at heart, question mark. Okay. So as a, as a reminder, this is this episode, you got to look at this grid that we're going to talk about. So this is a grid, a quad, a set of quadrants with two axes. And the easiest way to understand it is by seeing it. But if you're listening, I will try and explain it right now. So on the vertical axis is your potential or your current traffic, depending on whether you're thinking about a new site you want to start or you're thinking about your existing site. And it goes from non-locals at the bottom to locals at the top. You have that kind of a range between locals and non-locals. And it's a range because you're going to get a mix of people. On the horizontal axis is your influenceability, as Daylene puts it. And that ranges from behind the camera to being a selfie star. So how did you come up with this grid in the first place? So the talk at TravelCon was about going from zero to 100 grand, which at the time that is what our website, our niche site, Road Trip Alberta, was valued at and how we got there within two years. And so it, it, it came to do with that, but also we had a lot of conversations and we've been in this place a long time, getting to know different bloggers. And a lot of people have gone the niche way since having that general site. So a lot of feedback went into creating this and how people earn money based on, and two driving factors for niche sites is especially, you know, are you building it for local and how much do you really want to be out there? So in that lower left quadrant for those, and this is the, on the influenceability side, this is where I sit right now. I have no desire to be a selfie star. We did that for several years going around the globe. And uh, now I just, I'm shy and I want to sit and work behind my computer. And that's about it. So that's where I sit on there. And really this was created as a question for, as you're creating your blog or your brand, where do you wanna sit on there? Um, and when you are behind the camera and you are uh, not out there, you know, selling or putting reels out every day of new restaurant openings and all that other kind of stuff, what, how can you ramp up your income streams that way? And the biggest one I'll say, especially if you have non-locals reading your blog, so people, for example, that are coming to Alberta from afar and behind the camera, one of the big ones is affiliates because those people are looking to your website for information on tours they can do in the area. Locals are, they will take tours, but not necessarily. They feel like they know what they're doing and where they need to go. So why pay for a tour guide? I will argue that you can ha still have a really good time on a tour as a local, but that's where a big part of your income come, come from. And that, I mean, for us, it's been hotel revenue as well as tours themselves. Is that where that sits? Um, also in that quadrant, I mean, most of the stuff kind of, uh, straddles other sides um, when you're looking at this uh, side uh, guidebooks and itineraries creating those to sell those matter a little less if you are uh, behind the camera but um, now that I've gotten deeper into it I might skew that a little more to the right towards the selfie star people like to buy from people and so I think that those may do a little bit better if you are the one that's out there the person personality behind your website in order to sell those. Um, and then tours is another thing. We see lots of bloggers now that are doing this are and influencers where they're creating their own tours, marketing their own tours. 
Um, and that almost straddles the line between being behind the camera and a selfie star. Again, now with another year of experience under my belt on this niche site, I might also move that a little bit over to the right. But it, um, it if you're as long as your audience is non-locals, though, skews heavier there, then you do have a shot with making tours as a part of the income. Um, and then the last two things that are on in this quadrant that straddle kind of between non-locals and locals, meaning it's basically indifferent of where your readership comes from is one is ads. And by this, I'm talking about Mediavine, Ad Thrive. Although I will note that when the U.S. traffic goes up on our Canadian blog, we definitely get more ad dollars because Canadian readers are typically only earn 50 to 60% of what you'll get from US readers. So it does benefit to have non-locals, if you're Canadian, um, to have Americans reading your blog. But otherwise, it's almost indifferent between you're still going to earn some money, uh, whether you have locals or non-locals. And then the last thing is merch. And that may not matter as well if you are in front of the camera or behind, if you have locals or non-locals. Um, everybody loves, okay, I won't say everybody, otherwise I'd be selling more. A lot of people love to have souvenirs or, you know, branded stuff, whether you are proud to just be where you're from and find your site to, to, to buy that, that uh, merchandise or want a souvenir from their trip. So yeah, that is that bottom left quadrant and it is a busy one. <laughs> yeah, so that's really nice because it shows that if even if you don't want to be in front of the camera and you just want to write a, a quote travel blog where people are just coming to your site because they want to go to the place you've been, there's lots of monetization options. I think that that's a really nice reminder even as we hear about Google stealing all our traffic and there's all kinds of ways to make money, not just ads. I mean, that was one of the last things that you mentioned in this quadrant. Yeah, I would argue, I don't have any numbers to back this up, but as it sits right now, I would argue that it could be definitely more lucrative because again, that stuff that you put up is meant to be passive income. And even the days that I'm not working, I'm still making money on ads, on affiliates and stuff like that. Whereas if you're going the influencer route um, as a bigger part of your earnings and on, um, you know, in the travel blogging world, you're, that is direct output based on what you put in. So your time is being traded for that. So anyways, yeah, just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. I mean, if we wanted to make a really complicated graphic, it would be a third dimension, which is how much do you want to be doing the work to get the payment? Because I, I definitely agree. I feel like this is this combination. If you can tap into this, you get your ads and your affiliates dialed in, you create some guidebooks and itineraries, maybe you do tours occasionally and you have merch and you get all that dialed in, you can sail pretty smooth on a blog. Then it's just about matting. It's you know, growing your traffic. So let's let's really quickly talk about if you want to be behind the cameras and you have a local audience and what the options there. I know you kind of already touched on them, but let's sort of specifically dive in because I know some folks listening do have a more local audience, maybe than they intended to have, but they still have locals reading. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in that case, you're almost, in my experience anyways, I'd love to hear anyone that does otherwise, you're almost exclusively relying on ads as your sole source of income. You can get some from merch as well. I mean, I say this from experience because we do have the Alberta blog and our Manitoba blog. And in Manitoba, it is almost exclusively locals that read the blog. It's not a huge destination for international travelers. Whereas in Alberta, we have BAMP. So thank you, BAMP, for bringing in all those other readers. But Anyways, we, and that is something that we are kind of struggling with right now is wrapping up the income for the local blog. We do get some hotel bookings, 
not near to the volume that we're getting on Alberta, um, just because most people are looking at it for day trips and road trips and stuff like that. We haven't dabbled in the other things like guidebooks and itineraries yet, but I think that for the local blogs, if you don't want to be the influencer type thing, you're going to focus almost primarily on getting your traffic up because that is where the dollars are going to come from, is primarily from ads. Mm -hmm. I, I agree, actually. My Sausalito site, if you go into the back catalog of the podcast, you can find my most recent case study update for that site. That is a local site, more far more than I intended it to be. And it is not yet big enough to be monetized with ads. And it is just the saddest place because there's really not a lot of other monetization to do when you are catering to a local audience. That's not to say there's not value because conversely, there's a London blogger I know. She has half a million page views a month. She primarily targets locals. Well, when you can get that volume up, if you have a destination that you want to write about or a topic you want to write about like that, you can certainly make more than enough from ads to have a really strong and robust business. But there are, I'd say, fewer options, which is, again, why it's important to think what, what you write and who it's targeting uh, as a yeah, travel. Yeah, exactly. And like, the, so part of the reason why we created this grid, because our audience at TravelCon was meant to be people who were starting out in the niche. So it's just allows them to really focus on, okay, I think I'm only, if I'm only going to have locals that read my blog, what is the quickest way from $0 a month to actually earning some income? Mm -hmm. And it, my advice there would be definitely focus on just traffic to your site just to get because the ad is going to be our ad revenue is going to be the first and probably the biggest thing that you can get from just a strictly local type blog. Yeah, if, if you want to hide behind the camera. Exactly. If you want to be an influencer, there's lots of opportunities. So let's move into that quadrant. So now we're going to shift over to the upper right quadrant, which is where you have a local audience, but you are totally cool. You have a great personality. Everybody loves you on Instagram and TikTok. What are the options if you're in that quadrant? Yeah, I mean, the, it really opens up there um, if you're the selfie star and because the locals will get to know you and uh, they will trust you definitely to um, sell them on places, restaurants, items, even across the province, state, wherever you are, um, in order to, you know, to earn your income that way. So you're getting sponsored then to go to different festivals, you're getting sponsored to spend nights at hotels, all that kind of thing. So the paid trips and sponsorships, when you're willing to be in front of the camera, are definitely a big source, can be a big source of income if you're going that way and, and you know, you have a local niche blog. It's just, it's easier to become a bit of a superstar in that niche when your face is out there and when you're selling stuff like that. So, you know, paid trips and sponsorships, events, hosting your own events or piggybacking on other events. Um, there's an influencer here in uh, Nova Scotia where we live now. And while we try to push her constantly to get better at blogging so she can earn the money that way. Um, she's out there earning money at events. She's running her own tours around festivals. Um, she's doing really well that way. And one other thing too is just subscriptions. Um, if she wanted to turn on a newsletter with exclusive events monthly, I'm sure she could and make money for doing that too. So there are different ways to um, earn the money that way when you're a selfie star, especially, um, you know, the more you're out there, the more you're earning the trust of the, the locals around you, the more, you know, people you're getting following you on TikTok, Instagram and all that kind of thing. And, you know, the blog can supplement definitely when you have the time, because that's the thing too. If you're out there running around to do events and paid trips, you're not dedicating that time to creating that passive income on your blog. So there is a trade-off there too, though. Mm -hmm. 
And do you think, is there a vulnerability in this quadrant? Because, I mean, one thing we're not, we're sort of not talking about here is um, typically when you're a selfie star, your, your traffic, your audience is not on a platform that you own, but you know, it seems like there is a lot, of, there's a lot of money there, right? So it's kind of tempting to go that direction. So you advise people who are doing that to also be sort of in the background, building up a little bit of a blog to have a cushion. Oh, I would never advise anyone to focus on one channel exclusively. Um, that's super risky. And also then what happens when you get tired of being that selfie star? Um, as my husband and I did after all of our years of travel, when you're tired of putting yourself in your stories in front of the camera, then what do you do? Um, so it, it does definitely pay to have your foot in both camps as much as you can, building up that passive income on the blog, enjoying those paid trips and all those sponsorship opportunities until the algorithms change <laughs> unfavorably or a new platform comes or, you know, all those other kind of things that can happen and that can dry up that income stream. Yeah. It's funny as we're talking about this and you are describing the kind of prototypical person in this quadrant there's there's a gal who does Alaska content but she does only this like this is you know the in Instagram based influencer focused local targeting and it's a it's a sort of mind-boggling business to me because it feels like the opposite side of the coin now I'm in a lot of the photos and stories and things that I do but my site is much more like a behind the camera non-local website but it's almost the complete opposite of the business I have and she has totally different monetization than I do but you can do them all. You just have to be able to dedicate the time to building out them in the priority that makes sense for you. I, I think you can. I think you and I will never be able to because we have how many sites going at the yeah. same time? <laughs> if you focus on one, uh, I think you can probably do it all. Although I still think there's a trade-off. You know, limited hours in the day, I, I really don't think you can have a super strong blog targeting every possible keyword to, you know, the really strong ones and, and put the time into it that a, a blog needs in order to nurture it to grow and also be out there at all these um, events and doing this sponsored stuff as well. I, 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 maybe I'm just getting old and tired. I just don't think it's humanly possible to do all of them. Well, I agree. I mean, even the most successful influencers I know very rarely have strong blogs and when they position themselves as though they do, I always get really annoyed on Instagram. When I see their ads, I'm like, you don't have a blog, you're an Instagrammer and you do that very well, but that is not the same as the blogging with all that monetization and strategy that goes into it and the time and energy. Yeah. I mean, again, it's all about diversification as far as I'm concerned. Like whether you're, you know, if you have one blog that is exclusively about travel, then maybe your next blog is about something else, you know, that, or I can't even think of something that won't be replaced by AI, but something that, you know, a little less so, um, or, you know, if your life is exclusively online, your income is exclusively online, maybe you're getting need to get into physical product sale. That's where we're going next. Mm -hmm. So there's just, uh, you know, for me, it's, there's a lot into diversification. Um, lucky that we can do that because, you know, there are two of us as well as, um, you know, support from team members in our, in our digital marketing business as well. So, uh, yeah, it is some uncertain times. And so I totally understand and want to expand into other reason into other areas or, you know, try to straddle that world and see what happens and where things fall. It, mm -hmm. it is, it is a tenuous time right now for sure. Yeah. Okay. So let's wrap up this examination of the quadrants and then we'll dive into some questions. So the last quadrant we're down in the lower right is where you are a selfie star, 
but you are targeting non-locals. So you might, this. I feel like this is actually the quadrant where you could be a blogger. Um, you're, you're maybe less on another platform or you could be on another platform as well, but you're not, you're not targeting locals. And so we've kind of covered some of the monetization options that you think most fit in this area, but let's run through them again. Yeah. I'm the ones when you see the grid, um, it, and now again, a year later, thinking about it more, I would shift the guidebooks and itineraries a little more into that side as well. Yeah. They're targeting the non-locals for sure. And I think um, having a personality that's selling the guidebooks and itineraries will also make a difference in the sales of them. People like to buy from other people and see their faces and know that they can trust them. So I would scoot that over there a little bit more. But if you're targeting non-locals and have that ability or desire to be, you know, out there and have your face in front of the camera, then you could do really well. I know like looking at love in London, I know you, I'm sure you've seen hers. Like she just absolutely kills it with her guidebooks and itineraries and uh, you know, all started from her YouTube account many years ago. So people trust her in that. And now she's just making bank on those kind of things. It's super aspirational to see what she's doing, but mm -hmm. I think that's exactly where people could be. Um, if they want to be that influencer who is selling to non-locals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's actually a really good point. We haven't talked at all about YouTube, which is its own platform, not not a, not AI affected necessarily, also not social media, still in the Google ecosystem. A lot of professional SEOs are actually doing YouTube channels now, which is kind of interesting. It's um, I like to look at that and say, you know, it's sort of, sort of a do as I say, not as I do, but we want to do what they're doing, which is look at other channels. If you see an SEO professional doing YouTube, you might wonder, is YouTube a good direction for those of us who do SEO to also be looking at for our sites? Um, and as you said, this can be a very profitable area if you can figure out how to build up the audience and the trust with them and then provide them the right products. Because um, that's basically what guidebooks and itineraries are, are products, which is really also really nice because once you build them, then they're built and then you just have to figure out how to sell them. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for going through this. And again, if you're listening and you're just feeling a little bit overwhelmed by the idea of holding this grid in your head, just head on over to the site school blog that is linked in the show notes and take a look at this grid because once you see it, it'll make a ton more sense. I, I didn't want to just do a blog post. I wanted Daylene to kind of walk us through this. And then I put together some questions that I have, um, but I'd encourage you if you have questions, put them in that blog post as well and we can tag Daylene in to come help or maybe come back and do a follow-up talking about different monetization strategies. So some of the questions that I had, I'd love your I'd love your actually just honest opinion on why, why are tours so hard to sell? Because I feel like they're sort of in the middle of the grid that you've created and yet they're like one of the hardest things to sell that I've found. So I'm curious if you either have ideas about why that is or maybe tips if someone really wants to get into doing tours. Yeah, I'm the last person to give tips just because I would never do them myself because I'm just, you know, I like people in small doses. So to <laughs> leave a tour would be way too much. My husband, on the other hand, would love to do it. Um, I think, honestly, it's just it's such a big ticket number for so many people that it can be hard to make that um, that connection make in order enough for them to turn it around and give you thousands of dollars to do a tour. Um, there are people that are obviously doing it very well. Wandering Earl, um, Alex in Wonderland, they're both killing it with their tours. Um, again, after years of building up an audience that trusts them and being those, you know, very influential stars on the internet from the early days of travel blogging is what, you know, has made the difference for them. But again, they, I mean, it doesn't have to be multi-thousands. It could be a day tour for somewhere, especially if you have a local blog. And 
seeing some people have some success with that too. And it really just comes down to having that audience um, that would trust you or, you know, partnering with the right. I mean, there are tour platforms out there where you can just partner with them and they'll put their brand name behind you and uh, you can sell the tour that way. So not only is it, you know, just Valerie putting on a tour of Alaska, but it's Valerie in partnership with, you know, a very reputable tour company would make sense then. I'm trying to do that right now and it is still hard. <laughs> I have a big sticky note. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's just one of those things, I think. It takes a lot to earn people's trust to be able to do that. Um, I think that's where being the selfie star definitely helps. Uh, people, you know, like to know that they would click with you and get as much out of the tour as that, you know, they would desire to. So I think that could make a big difference in those kind of things or has from the success stories that we've seen, they sell out because they are buying some time with that influencer as well. Mm -hmm. That's part of it. So yeah, it is a tough one though, but um, something that can be done, I think, especially well, if you've got a really good, good, strong audience. Yeah, I think you said that tours, you would kind of shift more towards selfie yeah. uh, people, people who like to be influencers and same with guidebooks and itineraries, which was a question I have, but you've sort of already answered is how much of you should be in them. And it's increasingly you, they, people are buying your expertise and they're trusting you to give them that advice. So let's move on to physical products and merch. Uh, I feel like you kind of, kind of were talking about that, but you mentioned that that's something that you're thinking about moving into in the AI apocalypse. Uh, so are you able to share a little bit about what you're thinking, why you're thinking it? Yeah, it's, it's not related to any of our niche sites at all. Ah. This was a, another pandemic souvenir or a pandemic project day two when our, with our digital marketing business, uh, 80% of our revenue disappeared overnight um, in the middle of March, 2020. And Pete and I sat down at our laptops as we always do across the table from each other. And we're like, well, now what? And so we had always wanted to start and design a travel game and so that's exactly what we did. So we have a card game that we just are ordered the sample from manufacturer. Um, it's all been designed. Uh, it's something simple that so that people can still throw it in their bag and take it traveling with them. Um, we're kind of nerds in terms of games, board games, card games. I grew up, probably had cards in my hand at age three or something. Um, and just played a lot. And I think it's really fun that it's the beta testing went really well. And we're hoping, well, the plan is to start selling October 1st in time for Christmas. And we are on track to make that happen. So this is a whole new adventure for us. And we have all these other great channels we can start selling stuff on, um, you know, to our other audiences and lots of travel influencing friends we hope to lean on for promotional support yeah you can't um, see it podcast listeners but i just waved because that sounds like <laughs> a perfect time for all of the holiday gift guides that we're exactly. all going to be writing yeah so it's it's fun this is you know this is something totally different it's ignited a lot of excitement um you know we're going to be selling it out of our garage for the first little bit and uh just yeah we're really excited to make this happen Amazing. Well, that's really exciting. And a reminder that even if you have built your business on these channels, your blog, your social media, you've done these monetization strategies, or you're looking at new ones, there's always other business opportunities out there that can still tap into the passion that you have. 
and help insulate you as the future is a little bit uncertain and we need to be prepared. So Daylene, this was wonderful. And I hope for those of you listening that this has been an interesting way to think about how you can look at different monetization strategies and how to pick ones that are likely to be more successful for you. Because I can speak from experience, there's nothing more heartbreaking than spending a lot of time and energy building something for your audience and then it not succeeding. I mean, we were talking about that with tours. I can't figure out why I can't sell tours. Um, it's not the first time I've had a project or a product failure. Anyway, please do go check out the show notes and click the link and see the blog post where you can see this grid. You can download that image. It has got a little copyright to Hectic Media because Pete and Daylene designed this and um, I wanted to make sure that they got credit, but it is such an interesting and helpful way that I used to make my own business decisions. And I just have to say thank you so much for joining me, Daylene, and for sharing your thoughts on all the different options out there and how people can kind of start to narrow them down and make the most successful decisions possible. Great. Yeah, no, it was fun. Thank you very much. And there you have it. I hope that conversation with Daylene was helpful as you think about how to monetize your site, taking into account what kind of visitors you get, as well as how much you want to be in front of the camera or just working behind the scenes. If you have any questions or feedback, you can always leave a rating or review. And I'd encourage you to go check out another episode while you're here listening. Uh, if I can make a recommendation, the interview called Acing Affiliates with Amanda Williams is a fantastic episode. People have loved that one. And it's another conversation with an expert in this field that can help you come up with ideas for how to monetize your site. In addition to all the other episodes that help you learn how to grow your site. I'll be back next week with a new episode. Thanks for tuning in.